0: CyberBit is offering CyberWire listeners a free live-fire exercise. Sign up your team now at cyberbit.com slash cyberwire. The five eyes look at WannaCry and officially see Pyongyang – The new U.S. national security strategy emphasizes economic power and cybersecurity and names the adversaries. Hexmen are no superheroes. More Bitcoin theft bankrupts an alt-currency exchange. An Android Monero miner can basically melt your phone. Users leave Lexmark printers open to the internet. Anubis spy peeks at Arabic-speaking Android users. And can you guess the two worst passwords of 2017? I'm Dave Bittner with your CyberWire Summary for Tuesday, December 19, 2017. This is perhaps unsurprising news, since it's widely become the consensus, but the U.S. has publicly blamed North Korea for WannaCry. White House Homeland Security Advisor Tom Bossert said in a Wall Street Journal piece published yesterday that, quote, the attack was widespread and cost billions and North Korea is directly responsible, end quote. Bossert noted that the other four Five Eyes—Australia, Canada, New Zealand, and the United Kingdom—see the same thing. The White House has since followed up with more official statements today. The dots are being connected through the activities of the Lazarus Group. The U.S. isn't alone in blaming North Korea. Indeed, if anything, it's late to the party, since the U.K. and others have made this attribution as early as June. The British Foreign Office today joined again in fingering Pyongyang for WannaCry. To review the history of WannaCry, its initial outbreak took place between May 12th and 15th of this year. It infested more than 300,000 devices worldwide. Regarded as a worm because of the way it propagated itself, WannaCry scanned for vulnerable Windows machines, accessed them with the Eternal Blue exploit, alleged NSA attack code released by the shadow brokers and then used a double pulsar tool to install itself and execute the ransomware then encrypted data on the affected computers and demanded a ransom payable in bitcoin less than one hundred fifty thousand dollars seems to have been paid which would make an effort like this pretty much a damp squib the relatively low return on attack has led many experts to the conclusion that wannacry was really aimed for disruption as opposed to money although the ease with which the attack was contained by a researcher, Marcus Hutchins, who inadvertently found and tripped a kill switch, could also be the result of simple criminal ineptitude. The Lazarus Group has always been interested in making money, and remains so today. What does the U.S. hope to gain from the attribution? The strategy here seems to be to shame North Korea and stiffen international consensus against what Washington sees as an increasingly dangerous rogue regime. Homeland Security Advisor Bossert said today, quote, It's not about holding a country accountable. It's about simple culpability. We're going to shame them for it. I hope that they decide to stop behaving badly online. I'm not naive, End quote. No reaction from Pyongyang that we've seen so far. When one does arrive, it's unlikely to be conciliatory, still less repentant. The attribution comes on the heels of a U.S. statement of strategic policy that identifies North Korea, Iran, China, and Russia as adversaries. North Korea and Iran get strong talk, China and Russia a more nuanced but still cold treatment. Chinese and Russian observers are quick to call the document a return to the Cold War. It's worth noting that the U.S. hasn't, for all of its strong words, characterized WannaCry as an act of war. In any case, the new national security strategy disclosed in Washington yesterday emphasizes that the way the U.S. responds to cyber challenges will, quote, determine our future prosperity and security, end quote. Prosperity and security are indeed linked throughout the document, which features an appreciation of economic power as a key element of national power. There are, the strategy suggests, five things the U.S. will do to manage cyber risk. As summarized in Fifth Domain's account, they are identify and prioritize risk, build defensible government networks, deter and disrupt malicious cyber actors, improve information sharing and sensing, and deploy layered defenses. It also seems that the document is consistent with other moves within the U.S. Department of Defense to push cyber authorities down to lower levels of command, delegating decisions to the field that would have formerly been held at the National Command Authority. Turning to more ordinary hacking threats, Lexmark printers are often poorly secured, and this seems entirely the fault of the operators. Researchers at New Sky Security conducted a showdown search and found more than a 1,000 printers misconfigured to allow free access from public internet. Access doesn't even require a hack, you can just waltz right in. This is problematic because, once in the printer, it's possible to pivot to other places in the printer's network. That wouldn't be a waltz, it would be a little more ambitious maybe a foxtrot but it wouldn't be that hard either Chris Weber is a security strategist at SafeBreach they're a company that specializes in attack simulations and control validations and every year they put together a report they call the hackers playbook based on the data they gather throughout the year Chris Weber takes us through this year's findings I think what
1: we see here is a little bit of the legacy perimeter still getting that, uh, I don't know, lion's share of the attention from enterprises, right? Trying to keep attacks out and focusing there, not so much focusing on the later stages of the kill chain uh, with segmentation or stopping exfiltration. Hmm. Uh, We also see kind of a lack of focus on some of the newer sort of attacks. Uh, Ransomware specifically seemed pretty successful in our attacks. And then generally we see kind of a, a trend towards lack of optimization, uh, across controllers, uh, way basically where folks can get more from what they have. And maybe instead they're investing in, uh, we're sort of supposing here that they're investing in a lot of different technologies instead of getting the most out of the stuff that they already have. And then moving on.
0: Now, one of the interesting things I saw
1: in the report was the notion that people aren't watching the exits. That's exactly right. Uh, we're seeing, you know, a, any successful attack really isn't successful unless, uh, somebody gets data out. I mean, I guess in the case of sort of a ransomware or something where they're trying to break systems or lock them down, sure, uh, getting in and moving around is enough. But in a lot of the headline breaches that we've seen over the last few years, it's all about stealing data, right? Whether that's credit card data or customer records. And a lot of times we see that there's a lack of outbound scanning. Uh, In fact, uh, we see data that shows perhaps even up to or more than 50 percent of the time uh, it's pretty easy to steal data outside or, or exfiltrate data out of a network via simple things like HTTP um, that probably could very easily be scanned or have data blocked with already existing technologies. Whatever's protecting the inbound side could probably be configured to also uh, do some scanning and protection on the outbound. But we're able to like use, as I say, HTTP, just simple gets and posts uh, over 50% of the time to actually get simulated data out of an organization
0: was there any particular
1: findings that were surprising to you? I guess what's surprising to me was less any of the specific findings and more kind of what it seems to indicate. And, and you know, for those of us that have been around and doing the uh, the security game here for years and years, we're all familiar with the idea of defense in depth. What it looks to me like is that defense in depth has gone away from what I thought it usually meant, you know, back in the day, which is having not redundant controls but complementary controls at different stages different phases of the kill chain you know maybe you have a uh, your network controllers doing some file level scanning with a uh, with network kind of antivirus or anti malware and you also have uh, endpoints doing the endpoint controllers doing something similar uh, to make sure that you don't just have a single point of failure if you don't catch that uh, that malicious file what it looks like we're seeing here, uh, judging by some of the data and the success rates, is that perhaps, for example, in the case of malware, people are leaning heavy on the endpoint side. And when we look at network controllers, we can see, you know, executables packed inside, you know, uh, other kinds of files or encrypted, uh, just sneaking their way right through uh, network controls and making their way all the way down to host level uh, to disk, without being stopped, blocked, scanned, or, or anything that will slow down an attacker or, or provide that defense in depth. So based on the information that you've gathered, what sort of advice would you have for folks? We often see a story like we, we wrote up here, which is that the initial deployment, the initial few attacks we run are pretty successful, right? The, the ability to get in, to move laterally, or to get data out is, is pretty high. And then with just a little bit of configuration, just a little bit of tuning optimizing what's already there or uh getting the configuration cleaned up usually we see that those levels of success go way down what what happens is our attacks get blocked uh the tools work as though they're supposed to work uh, as as they should and that can take as little as you know a day in some cases the highlight that we did here was three weeks to move for example from uh from 30% successful attacks getting through the outer perimeter to just 9%. Uh, just with three weeks of tuning, not a dollar spent. So I think that's the first big recommendation I have is just, just go back to what we have. We're often so pushed by the industry, by vendors, by ourselves to just try to get another tool in, to try to fill every gap in our minds uh, because we're worried. We're trying to protect against these attacks. But oftentimes we already have what we need. Uh, our, our next-gen firewalls, our proxies, our endpoint controls, our internal segmentation, our traditional firewalls, they can be better tuned and tweaked to actually keep us safe um, rather than having to invest in the next new thing and have our teams learn that new technology and, and try to go from the ground up.
0: That's Chris Weber from safe Breach. You can find the complete hacker's playbook on their website. GardaCore has published the results of its look at an organized Chinese cyber gang, The gang is operating from a coordinated infrastructure, and they're going after database service servers. GuardaCore finds three attack variants, which they're calling the HexMen, Hex, Hanako, and Taylor. They're MS SQL Server and MySQL services, and their goals appear to be a mix of cryptocurrency mining, backdooring, and distributed denial of service. Another Bitcoin exchange, South Korea's UBIT, has been hit with an attack that emptied its coin purse of about 17% of the exchange's total assets. Investors will be able to recover what's left, but UBIT itself is beyond help. The company has filed for bankruptcy. Security experts suggest that if you must invest in Bitcoin, you might wish to consider keeping your coin in a hardware wallet. Kaspersky Lab warns that another miner, this one interested in Monero and targeting Android devices, will physically destroy your phone. It's called Lopi, an apparent descendant from the Podec malware that surfaced in 2015. Its mining is so busily aggressive that it will overheat a phone's components. The battery will bulge, the case will deform, and other bad stuff will happen. Lopi isn't in Google Play, but lurks rather in third-party app stores, where it represents itself as either a mobile antivirus program or an adult-themed app. Trend Micro reports that Arabic-speaking Android users are being targeted by Anubis Spy in a cyber-espionage campaign. Anubis Spy has been found both in Google Play and various third-party app stores. Trend Micro points out that what it calls persistent and furtive spyware – is an underappreciated, underreported problem in the Android ecosystem. They've been working with Google to help chase Anubis from the walled garden of the Play Store. As we approach the end of the year, people are running through lists of commonly used passwords. You'll never guess which are number one and number two, according to a study by Splash Data. Wait for it. The second most common password is that perennial favorite, Password. And the first is... One, two, three, four, five, six. And like a certain brand of hot sauce, people say, I use that on everything. Every day, your IAM tech debt grows. Your multi-generational services struggle to work together. Building an identity fabric can fix this. This means poor visibility, security gaps, and added risk. That's why Cloudflare created the first-ever connectivity cloud. Visit cloudflare.com to protect your business everywhere you do business. And joining me once again is Joe Kerrigan. He's from the Johns Hopkins University Information Security Institute. Joe, welcome back. Hey, Dave. So uh, the holidays are quickly approaching here. And yep. uh, with that is going to come a flood of new IoT devices yep. hitting the web. We'll probably receive some ourselves. Yes, gadgets. Will, gadgets, we can gadget guys. People will give us things with best intentions. And say, here, you can use this. Just Yeah, and, and the first thing that device is going to want is your Wi-Fi password. That's right,
2: access to your network. <laughs> right. And it wants to go connect to some external server and start uploading data somewhere and uh, it also may want to create some external port like there there might be some kind of camera where you now can go out and view your camera a security camera for example from the outside world so if you're at work you can check on your dog and your cat you know watch what the nanny's doing if you have a nanny sure um, people should be aware that when these things come they're gonna come with some default password that's the first thing I'm gonna recommend if you get a new device, that is accessible on the Internet. First off, evaluate, do you truly need this device?
0: <laughs> That's do, do you need that connectivity?
2: Do you need that connectivity? Right. If you believe that you do, take the time to secure it and change the default passwords sure. so that people aren't just you know, logging in remotely or or putting it in some botnet, like, uh, like the Mariah botnet.
0: And do that, I mean, quickly, right quickly. away. You can do quickly. that in a way before it's connected to... Because I've seen these reports where, you know, people will hose up a camera to the internet, and it takes, I mean, it's moments before right. that thing is owned by outside forces. That's
2: correct. So if you can disconnect your internet connection and then connect the new device to the Wi-Fi network, and you can still actually connect to it from your computer, it just can't reach the internet... And then you can go ahead and change the password if that's possible.
0: And what about the idea of basically having a, a guest network for all your IoT devices, so separating it from the computers where you keep important information?
2: Yeah, I would I would definitely recommend doing that. If you if you have that technical capability and the hardware to do it, yeah, that's always a good thing to do. It's segmentation. It's a basic security practice. It's a good idea. Uh, however, that's not going to stop those things from being attacked outside from outside of your network they're right. still going to get attacked you're just going to have that attack be isolated it will be less damaging so you still need to take measures to make sure that that the devices themselves are protected
0: all right good advice joe kerrigan thanks for joining us my pleasure dave are lengthy security reviews pulling attention away from your security program with the largest network of trust centers